welcome to this edition of TMLT's podcast, Tech Telemedicine Tomorrow, Answers for Healthcare's Digital Trends. I'm your host, Tony Pasolacqua. Today we have Juan from our IT department, and he's returning to talk about phishing. Hi, Anthony. How's it going? How's the pandemic treating you? Are you getting a lot of attacks? What's going on with you? Oh, not too much, Juan. Yeah, the pandemic's not treating me too bad. Um, I think this is a great time to kind of talk about phishing. If you're like me, my idea of fishing is just kind of sitting outside with a pole in the water, waiting around for a fish to bite. But I guess one of the things that I've noticed recently is with fishing attacks, you know, I'm not necessarily fishing. I'm actually more of the prey in these type of situations. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think this is a pretty good analogy about fishing. Uh, right now, you know, a lot of hackers, they're just looking for companies that they have their doors open. Uh, definitely they're doing a lot of harm to big corporations. Uh, not too long ago, one of the biggest companies in tech got hacked. And, you know, I feel like every single one needs to be aware about phishing emails. They need to be aware of so many things, especially at this moment, because a lot of people are, are, are working from home. So that kind of gives to the hackers a pretty good opportunity to break into their systems. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I was thinking of is there is kind of a process to fishing, isn't there? I know um, yes. kind of the same way when you're fishing, you know, I guess you have a fishing pole, uh, you're going to need some sort of specialized equipment, uh, like such as bait, um, in order to try to entice your, your specific prey. And in some instances, you may even purchase like more exotic equipment, I guess, such as like a fishing boat, or you may pay you know, like a fee to enter uh, like a fishing dock. I, I guess you could say that there's kind of the same thing with fishing as well on the cyber side. Yeah, that's correct. So a lot of people are using either Kali Linux. That's like a powerful tool that you can look online and then you can download it. Uh, it gets kind of complex when you start working with those tools. But once you get it, you can do a lot of stuff and, you know, if you want to get into more high-end, you can get antennas that they can reach Wi-Fi's from like a, a specific distance. So definitely it's kind of similar to your analogy, but I think most of the hackers, they're just, you know, looking behind the scenes. They're just trying to figure it out by sending phishing emails, by trying to learn things online that they're open to the public. Yeah. Which is, you don't spend too much money, you spend a lot of time just doing some research and learning about your prey, about the person that you want to attack. Right. Yeah. So I guess in like for us with that same analogy, I guess one of the things that you could look at is that cyber criminals essentially do the same by purchasing, you know, computers as like their boat as a way of kind of traveling through cyberspace. Um, and then like Cal Linux, like you're saying, that's really more of like the specialized equipment that they use to kind of launch those attacks. And then I guess mm -hmm. the last part is, is just trying to get people to click on these different types of links it, with those links that you click on. Is it kind of like a one and done scenario or is it kind of like a constant attack from the IT side? Well, you know, like big corporations, most of them, they have big budgets and they buy software that they can filter spam emails or phishing emails. But, it, you know, if a corporation or a small office that doesn't have that budget, all those emails are going to, they're going to go through. And what they do, pretty much all the hackers, they just send thousands of emails and they know that 
probably if they send a thousand emails, probably five, 10, they're going to click on it and they're going to give up uh, their credentials. So they know. So the more emails that you send out, the more chances uh, the hacker is going to, it's going to get either your password, your information. Right. So I, I know a lot of us, when we think about clicking on those links, sometimes it just opens up a website. But I guess from a lot of users' perspectives, you would anticipate that if something went wrong, it would go radically wrong, right? You know, I, I guess I would anticipate kind of like some of those old hacker movies where they show like the skull and crossbones laughing at you and it's like, you've just been hacked. I mean, is that something that you necessarily see now or is that just kind of like a play up from from Hollywood. No, pretty much those new hackers, they are getting pretty legit. So what they do, they send phishing email with a link. So you click to that link, those links, they are similar to either bank or some other big corporation that you think that is a legit website. But if you hover on the URL, you notice that it looks different. So that means that that URL, that website, it belongs to the hacker. So I think, you know, if you click on a link, that website looks pretty legit. I will stop it for a minute and kind of look around and try to see more details on the website and see if it's a legit website. Or you can reopen another uh, URL and then you can verify if it's the same website, uh, if they have the same phone numbers, and it has the same picture. So that way you can compare the one that they're sending you and the one that that is up there that, that you know it's a legit website. So you can compare. It's going to take more time. It's going to take more effort. But I think it's good to stop, think about what's going on and compare. Because that way you can avoid give away your, your credentials. All right. So, so real quick, what's credentials? Credentials, username and password. And so would it just be? That's what it is. Could it just be specific towards that, the specific computer you're using, or could it be all of your passwords, you know, including well, like banks and things like that? Yeah. So, you know, most of the times that you're seeing, they're sending an email, please log in into your bank account, put your password and username, or please enter your social security number. So it could be multiple things. They might be asking you for your social security number, for your username and password, uh, address. So that way they, they can learn what's going on with you. They can learn, you know, what websites do you have? Let's say that they send you a link with a bank. And if you click on it and if you put your, your password and username, they know that you might be having an account with that specific bank. So they just go later on, they log in as you, and they can do a lot of damage to your bank account. Huh. So just the same way that you see with phishing, you kind of see almost that same mimic in then where someone will yeah. try to entice you with a specific bait that's familiar to you that you feel is safe just so that you'll go for it. Yes, that's correct. That's mm -hmm. what they're, I mean, what the hackers are trying to do. They're just trying to trick your brain and say, I'm going to send you this link and I'm hoping that you're going to click on it. We'll see if you give me your password and username. But basically they are just playing with your brain because sometimes if you're working on something or if you are reading your email, you get an email from those hackers and say, please click on this link because your bank account has been compromised. You click on it because you get freaked out. 
And then you don't think about the whole picture and then you log in. That's not the, the real website. So you're, you're logging in, in some other website that is belongs to the, to the hacker. Huh? I know one of the, uh, the interesting, uh, phishing attacks that I have seen recently was actually a gift card to like a major organization. And it was like, if you click yes. on this link here and you fill out the survey, you'll get a $5 gift card. It was, yes. it was really interesting is that it came from somebody that I knew normally does not forward emails like that. And so it's interesting to see just how sophisticated phishing attacks are becoming because it looked exactly like an email that you would anticipate coming from like that specific vendor or company. Yes. Uh, the, uh... I'm just laughing because I learned this from when I was in college, one of my professors, he, he was teaching us economics and he's like, look, in this world, it's no free lunch. Nobody's going to give you anything for free. If, if somebody says click here, because I'm going to give you a thousand dollars or $500, you have to kind of think about it because mm -hmm. nobody, nobody is going to give you free money for nothing, just for clicking a link. No. I think that's like a big, like really big red flag. That makes real sense. You know, and I guess one of the other things that I also think about is they're a target that's too small. I mean, I know for a lot of people, they're thinking, you know, I'm just an individual who works at a front desk or, you know, I'm just a technician. There's no one who really wants my credentials. My credentials have no value. But is that necessarily true or is everyone a target for these phishing campaigns? No, I think everyone is a target. And... I'm going to explain why. Let's say that you're a small corporation, you're a small office, you're a small organization, 20 people, 30 people. It's pretty small. Uh, that organization is working with a bigger comp uh, company, which they have thousands of employees. So what they're going to do is they're going to learn the small fish, which is going to be the small company. They're going to attack them first. So that way, they might be learning that you have access to that big corporation. So sometimes they send emails to you, or sometimes they, they ask for credentials. You give away those credentials, probably nothing is going to happen to your organization because it's too small. But those hackers, they want to get through you to the bigger company. Mm. And I think after there are a few uh, cases that small businesses they were hacked and then from there they the the hacker jump into a bigger corporation like a multinational corporation and there are cases there and there are you know they have documents that that's how they did it so i think everyone needs to be aware and i think for even if you are a small company you have to kind of pay attention because they might be getting you yeah well and even at the um at, even a front desk individual, they may actually have more privileges than they know about. And it actually may yes. cause the individuals, the hackers to be able to get just into the system enough to be able to kind of gain access into higher or more valuable servers than what that individual even knew they had access to. That's correct. So equipment upgrades, you know, I, again, kind of going back to Hollywood, you always see those individuals and they're like, Oh, I have this brand new machine and it's, you know, the, um, you know, brute force attack 4,000. And, you know, mm -hmm. you watch those individuals kind of go in there and, and essentially upgrade their equipment so that they can attack like these big targets, you know, like the government or like a specific uh, criminal enterprise. Right. And so it's kind of an interesting 
idea, but is that true? I mean, how does that work? Is it, does equipment play any role in it? Having a pretty good computer, that definitely is gonna, it's gonna play a, a really good role when you are doing hacking. But I think the targets, they need to upgrade at least every three years, five years. And we all know that technology is changing so fast. So I don't know if you remember Windows XP. I don't know if you remember the floppy disk. Those mm. guys, they are gone. I mean, I, when I started working with computers, I, I was working with XP's and I was working with uh, floppies, but no anymore. They are gone. Everything is through the cloud. Everything is through new technologies. So if you get stuck from the 1990s with equipment that, you know, Windows doesn't support anymore, that they don't do any upgrades, definitely hackers are going to look for those targets. They are going to pay attention to it because they're going to know how to crack those systems. But if you have a equipment that is fairly new, it's going to be a little bit harder for hackers to get in. Most companies, they're going to do a lot of updates, patches, and all that stuff. So that way they can keep up with the equipment. So definitely new equipment makes a big difference. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, Juan. Um, you know, I remember when I was doing a like a quick lab assignment for myself, one of the things that we were doing is a uh, something that they call a brute force attack. And it was very mm -hmm. interesting to see that the data tables that they use, they call them rainbow tables, they were very small, like they could fit on a thumb drive for Windows XP. But as you continue to go into higher or newer operating systems like Windows 7, Windows 10, a lot of those tables were taking a significant amount of space up. You know, So you went from like, let's say kilobytes and megabytes to gigabytes and terabytes. So it was yes. very interesting to see how encryption is actually built into our software that we're using on a daily basis that we're maybe not aware of. I think, you know, uh, for the most part, people are not aware because everything is kind of running in the background. But definitely new equipment, the technology, it, it works better. It, it's more secure. But yeah, I, I would recommend to people, you know, get new equipment. If you have the budget, just do it. If you have all equipment, you're going to get more chances to get into a data breach or into a cyber attack. And it might cause us a lot of issues later on. Thank you for listening to part one of our phishing podcast. In part two, we will discuss the cost of a data breach, how to spot a phishing email, strong passwords, and much more. And in part three, we will discuss additional ways to protect yourself from a phishing scheme. Please remember that if you're a policyholder, please feel free to contact us with any questions by calling 1-800-580-8658 or check out our resources at tmlt.org and clicking on our resource hub. Thank you.